Disaster. Debacle. Train wreck. Meltdown. Those are just a few words Spartan Nation used to describe Mel Tucker's debut as Michigan State football coach. There were some other words too, but I probably shouldn't say them if I want to keep my job. Not great. Michigan State loses to Rutgers for the first time since they joined the Big Ten. What went wrong, we will discuss shortly and also look ahead to the rivalry week. It's Michigan and Michigan State in the big house on Halloween. This is MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. I'm Brandon Champion. It is Wednesday, October 28th, 2020, also known as Rutgers Postmortem Day 4. I'm joined, as always, by Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel. There are MLive Michigan State B reporters. Matt, it was all set up. Favorable season opener at home. The hype videos were out. Mel Tucker talking about doing things the right way and creating a culture of accountability. I was ready to run through a wall by kickoff. Had the projector out. Had a beautiful taco bar. Was up at 8 a.m. Got donuts. And instead, we had seven turnovers. Inefficient play all over, all over the field. Depressed cardboard cutouts abound. And the Spartans first lost to Rutgers since Greg Schiano's first stint with the team in 2004. Um, not entirely unexpected, but what the heck was that? Well, you just can't turn over the ball seven times and expect to win a game. The fact that you were actually in the game in the second half with seven turnovers, was, you know, that's a that's a feat on its own. But no, I mean, it's there was sloppiness, you know, um, you know, the run game was non-existent. The offensive line struggled. Um, you know, you also, you have those of those seven turnovers, three gave Rutgers the ball inside the Michigan state 30 yard line and led to 21 points. Um, yeah, I mean, you put those things together, it just can't happen. I mean, if they don't turn over the ball seven times, you probably win that game. There were some bright spots on offense. You outgain, you gained almost a 400 yards. You outgain Rutgers by almost a hundred, but seven turnovers, that'll do it. Kyle, how surprising was this loss to you? Um, but pretty surprising. Um, but you know, I, to me, the seven turnovers, it's just kind of such an outlier, you know, um, you know, not to excuse anything, but you, you're not going to do that most weeks. And if you even have like a, a, a bad turnover, we can have four. I think you still have a pretty good chance of winning that game. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it, it's, if they have anything better than a catastrophic turnover game, I think they, they somehow figure out a way to do that. And that's, I mean, that probably doesn't make a lot of people feel better. Um, but um, I, I mean, that's what we saw happen on Saturday is not going to happen. Yet, at least from the turnover side, not to say that they're going to start winning or want to win streaks here, but um, they're not going to have a turnover day worse than that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it wasn't even just turnovers, right? It was turnovers in key spots. You know, you have you, you, every time it seemed like Michigan state was getting back, in the game, something would happen. You know, Jaden Reed makes a nice catch. He has two fumbles on the day. Rocky Lombardi throws a hitch route. Jalen Naylor's running a streak, and there's an interception. You have, uh, I thought the, the, the Jordan Simmons fumble uh, on the opening drive of the second half was really, really hurt because, you know, it, it's halftime. You're coming out. They're driving. I think they had a nice screen play to them. They had picked up a couple first downs. And then the freshman puts the ball in the deck. Rutgers goes down and scores. And not to mention you, you had the turnovers, but you had, you had uh, two turnover on downs. So, I mean, they don't count officially for turnovers, but really Michigan state gave the ball away nine times. <laughs> well, well, if you'd told anybody that going into the game, that Michigan state would punt twice and the first one wouldn't come until the second half, what do you think the uh, winner of the game would be? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Pretty brutal, man. Pretty brutal. I mean, how much of this do you chalk up to 
to limited reps. I mean, I know Mel Tucker, he's the kind of guy where he's not going to make any excuses. You know, he he's a guy who's, which I, I respect that he's not going to make excuses, but I mean, we've, we've talked about it at length. They didn't have a spring practice. They've really only had a couple scrimmages, you know, getting hit is not something I'm guessing they're doing a whole lot in practice for numerous reasons. And the, the you can run through and do walkthroughs all you want, but the first time that you get hit, it's a lot different feeling than when you're in shells or you're wrapping up, you know, and then I mentioned the, the Rocky Lombardi miscommunication. I mean, Matt, how much of this are you chalking up to just not enough time to prepare? I mean, has Mel addressed that? Because it doesn't seem like he wants to let anything be an excuse. Well, you, I mean, you basically summed up what the answer would be. I mean, they've still, you know, they didn't have the first padded practice till September 30th. That was, you know, less than a month ago. So, yeah, the fumbles thing. I mean, yes, you could maybe say that, you know, the lack of contact was factors in, but some of them are just basic. I mean, the Jaden Reed's first fumble, you know, he's picking up almost 20 yards and, you know, the, it's not like there was a lot of contact. It was the defender's left hand or left arm that hit him, you know, the first guy that in. You know, you can't do that. And then his second fumble was one of those classic stand up by two guys and the other guy comes in and strips it. Um, you know, Rocky's fumble came on a, you know, a misprotection that came from the blind side and he's trying to throw the ball. And um, I don't know that that's a practice thing, but obviously the, the miscommunication between Rocky and, and Jalen Naylor on that, that one series, it was twice. They were both on, not on the same page. And the second time is an easy pick that you could say maybe was, was part of uh lack of practice time um but most of the fumbles were just i think just basic you know, you know just like you mentioned simmons you know jay um jaylen naylor muffs a punt i mean i don't know how many i don't know what you can how you can say metal prep or physical prep you know plays a factor in that i i think the fact that they played rutgers actually makes things look a little worse just because they're the one team in the big 10 that was in the exact same situation you know new coach um new systems coming in new assistants um, limited practice time. I mean, every, I mean, Greg Channel came in a little bit earlier, so maybe there's a little bit more time to work there. Uh, but for the most time, Rutgers had the same issues that Michigan State had. And I saw a Rutgers team that looked a lot more ready to play um, on Saturday than Michigan State. Um, and it's tough to see that as anything but um, an indictment of, of Mel Tucker and how well he had that team prepared. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that'll change here in the coming weeks, but um, you know, if, if you were playing Michigan or somebody else that's established, you'd say, well, yeah, they, you know, they've, um, they've had their coach, you know, they're in a better spot, but they were playing the one team in the big 10 that was in the same spot. And for the difference to be that stark, um, I thought that was pretty telling. Yeah. I mean, I agree that that's not something you want to see. You don't want to see a team that looks more mentally prepared to play. That's, that is a concerning thing. Hopefully it gets changed. Let's talk about, you know, maybe some of the positives that we saw, Matt, you mentioned there was some positive positives, positives on offense. I just rewatched the game and I would agree. I think the turnovers kind of overshadowed, um, you know, some positive play and some po- positive things that were happening on offense. Uh, Jaden Reed, of course, uh, had an up and down day. Um, but I think he looks like he's going to be a really good player. He looked like a dynamic playmaker that was explosive that we expected. His touchdown was really nice. Stop foot, go foot, you know, explosive after the catch and just outran people. We mentioned the two fumbles. He also dropped a pass on one of Lombardi's best throws. Um, but, uh, one of us thought that he would score the first touchdown of the season. And that, uh, turned out to be one of the only things that us three got correct. What did you think of Jaden Reed's debut? 
Uh, I mean, he pretty much has advertised. You know, it's the guy who had an electric year as a freshman at Western in 18. And, you know, the, somebody that they've been talking about a lot since getting on campus as being a, you know, a playmaker. And, you know, first game he's been able to play in almost two years and he showed what he's capable of. I think, you know, I've been writing this in, in the offseason leading up that I thought he'd be their, their top receiver and a top playmaker. And, um, yeah, I mean, he showed it on Saturday every bit. Um, just got to clean up the two fumbles, which I think he'll definitely be able to do. Yeah, and that, and that second fumble, Avery Young made a really nice play ripping that ball out as he was coming down. I mean, yeah, yeah. you you got to protect the ball, but sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the defense. Um, yeah, at the same time, five, <laughs> six fumbles and, and five lost. You can't tip your hat that many times. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be down like you'll be doing a somersault if you tip your hat too many times like that. But uh, did you see anything else on offense that caught your eye, either f- maybe from a positive standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I thought Rocky played um, played well for the most part. I mean, he had the two picks, but we mentioned the one earlier was, you know, I mean, that's a miscommunication. Um, but, you know, he com- he threw for career highs and completions, yardage, touchdowns. Um, I thought he looked confident, comfortable for the most part, was, was, was more accurate than we remember seeing from him in the past. And, you know, I thought he gave him – let's put it this way. He was not the reason they lost that game. Not at all. And despite what some people will tell you on Twitter, um, that is not that was not the case. I thought he was fine. He did nothing that warranted them taking him out of the game. Um, and after that, the run game was was terrible. But, uh, you know, Jordan Simmons being a true freshman coming in there, his first game and leading the team in rushing, which I would have never imagined in 100 years. Um, but, you know, he showed the he showed a couple the a nice burst a couple of times, but, you know, still a true freshman and, and got a lot of growing to do. Yeah, I, I did not understand some of the, the Rocky Lombardi hatred I saw after that. Um, I, I, I don't understand you watch that game and think he's in the top three of issues. Um, I mean, he certainly he didn't look like Connor Cook or some of the great quarterbacks they've had, but he, he did what they he did what they needed him to do. Um, he, he made the throws he's supposed to make. I didn't see any awesome needle threaded downfield 20 yards or anything like that, but he was he was fine. I mean, you got a lot of things to worry about before him and like you said, I mean, the the late pick, I mean, he's trying to make something happen. I mean, that, that's what happens late in games when you lose. And the other one, I mean, I, I Matt, you, you can chime in on this too. Reading between the lines when they were asked about that one, um, I seems to me that I think Naylor might have been the one that made the, the wrong read, um, although Lombardi certainly was going out of his way not to throw anybody under the bus. But that was kind of my my read between the lines on that. Uh, but we yeah, yeah, and I – yeah, we don't know for sure. And I guess the overall point is one of them, they just weren't on the same page. And it wasn't like he was, it wasn't a, it was not like a typical bad throw, like into double cover. You know, he was throwing to a spot he thought a guy was at and the guy wasn't there. So Right. And, um, and the way those plays work, as I understand it, is, you know, you call the play, but based on what the defense is, you're either running a hitch or you're running the fly. And exactly. The quarterback, and, then, and the quarterback and the receiver both have to make the right read and do the right route. And somebody yeah. did. Um, and yeah. when you ask the quarterback, did you screw up or did your receiver screw up? Most most quarterbacks are not going to answer that question, and Rocky didn't uh, to his credit, not the one guy. Yeah, so and who knows said, really you know, whose fault it is? Yeah, and he had said after the game, this just comes down to our rules. We need to have more concrete rules on what we see from a defense and and what you're going to do based upon that. And clearly, that was they were that was not what what they had established so far. Yeah. Thir- 31 of 43, 319 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, QBR 59.5. So yeah, I agree. Right. The Rocky Lombardi. I mean, the quarterback's always going to get the eight. What are you going to do? That's that's that comes with the territory of quarterback, but I agree. He is not the reason they lost that game. You mentioned Jordan Simmons, who is the, the true freshman, um, 
running back from uh, he's a Georgia kid, I believe. Um, and yes. I, was he the one who committed then decommitted and then came back or what, wasn't there something with that? Well, no. So he was committed and he was the one guy who was committed, who did not, who had been committed, but did not sign in the December period. He wanted to wait. Um, and then they had, and then Mark, obviously, you know, they, they had all their other December signees and then they picked up two other guys after the fact, if I remember right, Donovan Eagle, another running back and Josiah Robinson, a defensive end. Um, and then Mark retired on February 4th. February 5 was signing day. The other two guys signed. Jordan didn't sign. He wanted to wait and see what happened. Um, and what ended up happening, this is interesting. So Mel Tucker gets hired on February 12th, and Michigan State announced Simmons signing, um, I don't know, three, four, five days later, whatever it was. It was a couple of days later. But I ended up talking to Jordan. Um, and, you know, he put something on Twitter that I think corresponded with around when his signing was announced or whatever. But I talked to him after the fact, and he said that, he woke up on the morning of February 12th with the news that Mel Tucker had been hired was, you know, still fresh. And he sent in his national letter of intent that morning, you know, just hmm. right after waking up, having not talked to Mel Tucker. Um, he knew him vaguely through his, cause Jordan's brother played was a wide receiver at Georgia when Mel was on staff there. So he knew of him, but uh, yeah, he heard it was going to be Mel. And so he just sent in his NLI and that was it. So I was going to ask this later, but we did get a question from a reader um, who wanted to know, does Jordan Sinems get the start he deserves? And this reader says, uh, in his opinion, he does deserve it. So uh, it be, I, this is the question I would have never imagined uh, five days ago, because um, I thought the one guarantee you had, one of the few guarantees you had about them this year was that Elijah Collins was your starting running back and get the bulk of the carries. But I mean, he just flat out didn't look very good on Saturday. And Jordan Simmons, hands down, looked like, the best running back they had. He was the most productive guy they had. And uh, he did have the fumble, which, uh, you know, was a negative, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, you know, they, they started Connor Hayward. I think if, if they started him last week, they might start him again this week. But I, I, I would say that if, if you're basing it on production, which is what Mel said carries are your most productive running back last week was Jordan Simmons. So that would be the guy that I would anticipate to get the, the most touches this week um, based on just what I saw last week. I'm, I'm going to ride for Elijah Collins here for a little bit because I, I don't understand, you know, the uh, the running back rotation in week one. I mean, I, I, I get that you've had these, I, I get that you've had these preseason practices, but man, we saw those guys last year, and it, it was not. I mean, to me, Elijah Collins is far and away the better option. And how uh, a couple of weeks of, of practices and under those circumstances tilted the scales that much mm-hmm. towards Jordan Hayward or um, towards Connor Hayward, that is. Um, I, I don't really know. And, and yes, I, I totally agree that, you know, when Elijah did get out there, he didn't look great, but I would have liked to see what could have happened if they would have given him the ball when we started and let him get in rhythm a little bit. I'm not mm-hmm. sure he goes for a hundred yards based on how that offensive line was playing, but I think it could have been a little bit different. Uh, I think he was put in a tough spot, not starting kind of unexpectedly, not really knowing where he is. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't get the reasoning behind that. I Mel Tucker kind of explained it based on practice, but it still doesn't really make sense. I agree. I mean, 14 for 43 from Simmons. He ran hard for sure, but there was a couple occasions where the cutback lanes were there. It seemed like he missed some holes, which is to be expected from a freshman. But Elijah Collins, one of the things I was most impressed with from him last year was his vision for a young guy. It seemed like he was you know, Le'Veon Bell-like in his ability to sit in the hole and wait for it to open up and then explode through it. He didn't look great, I agree, on Saturday. 
Connor Hayward getting seven carries for 18 yards is what bugs me more than the Simmons thing. I mean, the guy tried to quit the team for crying out loud, and he's getting more care or he's getting almost as many carries as a guy who almost ran for a thousand yards last year. That just doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, well, I mean, I'm never going to knock a guy for trying to look out for their own best interests. You know, he, last fall, he he lost his starting job. You know, when, when you got a younger guy who's getting the bulk of the carries and you want to <laughs> play, you know, I don't I don't I don't follow them for doing that. You know, I do what's best for yourself. And he maintained a red shirt through it. And everybody said he's, you know, the guys we've talked to have, have com- complimented him for his leadership. So if the guys on the roster respect him, if, if the coaches respect him, I mean, that's I think that takes care of itself on its own. Matt, do you think it's a pass pro thing? Do you think it's the biggest thing? I think, oh, well, I mean, I would, I would, I thought Hayward was their best back in pass protection last year. And then, I mean, the first Rocky fumble was, came when on his side when he went right right by him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I mean, but you know, to be fair, Elijah Collins missed one of those uh, pickups too. So um, yeah, I I, I don't know. You know, it's again, the running, the running back usage was, was, Probably uh, next to the seven turnovers was probably the biggest surprise um, that I had on Saturday. All right. Well, uh, we're going to move on to Michigan here for a second. I just want to shout out a couple more things and just you guys can react to them real quick. Um, the Shakur, in, Shakur Brown interception return for a touchdown, the blindside block they called on that, I thought that was terrible. I, I don't yeah. know what kind of call that was. That is not what the rule is in there for. Yeah, I, I looked at that one later and would have to agree that that was uh... – yeah, I don't know what the refs were we thought they were looking at on that call, um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, Chris Jackson was not. <laughs> that was not a block in the back. Somebody basically ran into him when they turned around. You know, they were looking the other way. They turned around and ran into him when he was practically standing still. But um, I, again, that's can't you can't pin that loss on on that one play when it's uh, when there's seven turnovers. Four, fourth, two fourth downs, right? They went for, or was it two or three? Four. But at least, well, they went they for went four. four. Okay. They were two they for get... four and fourth down. Okay. The, the first, first two, one. The first one was the handoff to Collins in the first, right? Yes. And then I saw the other one when I was watching the game that I noted was the third. It was 28 20, fourth and two, the handoff to Simmons. And Kevin Jarvis doesn't block anyone. I mean, he doesn't block a single person. And the linebackers come up and tackle him. I mean, that was a massive play in the game. It was 28 20 at that point. Well, in that in that situation, I think you'd question the play call. I mean, they had run the ball three straight times, and you're facing fourth and three or fourth and two or whatever it was, and in you know in a spot where you can put points on the board with a field goal. And I was, you know, they weren't able to move, get move the ball consistently on the ground. So why you yeah. you know call a run play in that first place? Uh, Fifty uh, yards on thirty nine attempts. I mean, they, the sacks count as yards in college football, so it kind of makes it a little misleading, but. Good luck if you're Michigan State and you can't get the run run game going at all. Uh, let's look at our predictions. It wasn't good, guys. It wasn't good. Um, uh, the coin toss, we did all win that one. Multiple quarterbacks. We only saw Rocky. The first touchdown was Jaden Reed. I did hit that one. Over 75 yards for Collins. Not so much. More like nine carries for three yards. Oops. Uh, and the score, me and Kyle both had Michigan State winning. Matt, you had it 24-17, which was a Rutgers cover. So I'm going to give you a point for that. Um, since we, yeah. Um, so, uh, that puts, uh, you and me tied for the lead at two and five, Kyle, you're one and five. So room for improvement, Kyle. Hey, one way to go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Michigan. Uh, obviously a huge rivalry game. Michigan state is and one Michigan's one and oh, it's the battle for the Paul Bunyan trophy, 24 point spread. The over under is 55. Uh, Michigan leads the all time series, 71, 36, 
uh, to five. They've won the last two games in the series. This is Jim Harbaugh's sixth season in Ann Arbor. He has a record of 48 and 18. The Wolverines got a huge win at Minnesota in the college game day game on Saturday. Looks pretty impressive doing so. Um, so, um, Matt, obviously a, a big rivalry game here coming very early in the season. Uh, what do you think the significance is for Mel Tucker? I mean, this is, this is only his second game as Michigan State head coach, and he's already thrust into this rivalry. And this week I was looking for Mel Tucker to come out and make this game personal. I was looking for him to to have the same or a similar attitude that D'Antonio had where he came in, he made it clear that he wasn't going to take the, the the little brother stuff. He wasn't going to take being second fiddle. He challenged Michigan. He made it clear he didn't like him. And he did that right away. And he really set the tone early in his tenure. I think it's important for Mel Tucker to do something similar. So what's his mindset like going into his first uh, battle for the Paul Bunyan trophy? Well, I mean, Mel, it was like the week he was hired. He did a radio show when he was, I believe it was the first time he was asked about Michigan since taking this job. And he made it clear, you know, he knew what the rivalry meant, said it's not just another game. It's always, it's going to be different. And he emphasized the rivalry team. You know, every time he's been asked about it since he has, what I don't, I don't mean I don't know what I would expect him to do. I mean, is he going to come out there and make some sort of bold proclamation? I, I would not expect. I think he handled it basically how I expected him to handle it, and would imagine he would handle it. Other than the, you know, the kind of bizarre references to school up the road or school down the road. I mean, <laughs> it was basically the it was basically the same thing we've heard all the time. You know, yeah, it's personal. Yeah, you know, this means more. Yeah, you know, it's it's rinse and repeat in the rivalry cliche lines um and as far as mark i mean you gotta remember <laughs> mark's debut in the rivalry if i remember right was that mike hart game um i don't remember what he had said leading up to it about michigan i'm sure it was probably you know similar stuff about not liking them but when that game goes down the way it did and the reaction is mike hart you know talking smack yeah i mean d'antonio was in a position to to fire back and make it really personal. And then obviously he flipped the rivalry around, but you know, I don't, I don't think you can expect Mel Tucker to come in here and just pour hot, you know, pour gasoline all over the rivalry without ever being in it. And, and you know, and especially with the position he took over the team and its status. So, so, my, so my takeaway from looking into Mel talk, and he talked for a while to us um, on Tuesday was that, he said a lot of the right things for rivalry games in general, and he kind of kept bringing up like the other rivalries he's been in. You know, he talked about uh, Alabama Auburn when he was on Saban's staff down there, and I think he even brought up Cleveland Pittsburgh at one point. You know, and kind of talking about these rivalries in general, which is good. And now that he understands that it's important, but I, I, I guess I still want to know if he understands the specific dynamics of Michigan, Michigan State. Because I think my sense is Michigan State fans really liked Antonio because they seem to understand, he seemed to really understand the dynamics of Michigan, Michigan State, and how Michigan State fans, you know, had been kind of the um, the lesser team in the rivalry for a long time, you know, and how they felt that they were kind of looked down upon by Michigan and, and how Little Brother became such a big thing. And he seemed to really understand that and understand where fans were coming from. And I, I think Mel Tucker certainly understands that this game is a big deal to a lot of people. But I'm not sure he understands kind of the history and, and kind of the unique aspect of this. And, and Brandon, I think you would probably can speak to the fan perspective better than me and Matt even. Um, but, but but does that sound right to you? Yeah, no, I I mean, D'Antonio got it. That's I mean, you're right on with that. I mean, the, the pride comes before the fall, you know, comment was 
is iconic at this point. It just seemed like, you know, whether it was true or not, D'Antonio had real vitriol and vigor for what Michigan was doing. He felt like he they were always being slighted. He felt like Michigan was this pompous, huge, big school. And it, he played into the fans' hatred for, for each other. You know, I say hatred, like, you know, fake hatred. But, like, he played up. He played that up. And for someone who wasn't really willing to, you know, provide or give that much emotion – you could always see a little something extra with D'Antonio or like a wry smile or like a, a little something extra when they beat Michigan or when they took them down. So Mel Tucker should understand. I mean, he's been at, he was at the school before, you know, it's not like he's completely foreign to Michigan state and Michigan. Um, I just hope he understands how big it is. And, and, you know, like Matt, like you said, the cupboard's kind of bare this year. So he's probably planted a little closer to the vest. But if maybe he gets this thing cooking in a few years, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, specific anger <laughs> towards Michigan. I know he's he's played it pretty close so far, but um, this isn't just another game. And he did at least say that, correct? Yeah, I mean, he made it clear this is just another game. But I mean, I think he's... I mean, Mark, Mark and, and Mel are obviously two different people um, and how they go about their business, how they coach, the, the public perception they, they give are going to be different. Mark went, you know, after the 07 game, you know, he went the fiery route and, you know, he got the fan base all, you know, energized and, you know, and then he won. <laughs> you know, that's the important part. You know, none of, none of what he said, you can get the fans all happy with, you know, you're, you're talking smack in the media, but if you don't win, they're not going to care. They'll care much about as much as you know Michigan fans cared when they, you know, what was that the the stake in the end zone? Uh, that was a piece of garbage. Yeah, you, you do that, and then you go out and you get thumped. Nobody cares about you know you get laughed at for making you know for doing foolish things like that. So and Mel has been, Mel has been very even keeled in in media interviews since taking over the job. You know he constantly talks about neutral thinking and staying in the now, and and I think that's just part of what you're going to see. I don't. I would not expect him to, to, to treat this rivalry publicly the same way that Mark D'Antonio did. Privately, behind closed doors, yeah, I mean, who knows what he does? You know, I mean, he's talked about showing videos to the teams, to players, and, you know, making sure they know what the game means. But, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to, to, to behave in the same manner as his predecessor. I understand his neutral thinking thing, but, like, Saban gets mad, you know? Yeah. He fires people up, you know? I, I If... I don't blame him for how he's done it so far. Um, I'm not saying he needs to thump his chest on, on Tuesday when he talked to us. But if he goes through his whole tenure and never really shows any any emotion or, or anything like that as far as this rivalry, I think that's an opportunity. So zeroing in on the game, Michigan's led by Joe Milton, first-year starting quarterback. I thought he looked really good against Minnesota. I mean, the numbers weren't amazing, but you know, I thought he looked really poised, uh, made some nice plays with his feet, dumped it off when he had to. Uh, the the one touchdown to to Ben Mason when he he did the the flip into the end zone was pretty cool. So uh, I mean, Joe Milton was making his first start, and you you compare that to Rocky Lombardi who was getting his first significant action, um, and you have to say that Michigan has the advantage. Although Lombardi played pretty well, but. What do you guys see as, I mean, Michigan is a massive favorite. This is one of the, the largest lines in the series um, ever. So if Michigan State is going to have a chance to try and spring this upset or at least hang in the game, what do you think the method for success is going to be? Uh, you know, I'll just go back to the old, well, besides not turning the ball over seven times, you know, I'll stick with the old cliche about uh, 
team with the most rushing yards wins. So, um, no, you know, what I was surprised most with from Michigan, I, you know, I didn't, wasn't able to watch the whole game. I was busy working. Um, but you know, they, they replaced, they had to replace four, uh, starting offensive linemen and ran for almost 300 yards against Minnesota averaging eight, more than eight yards of carry. That's, that's yeah. impressive. With multiple um, backs too. Yeah. Yeah. Spreading it around. So that's obviously a big challenge for, for Michigan state with a revamped uh, defensive line. Um, and then, you know, you flip it around. I mean, the, Michigan State is basically going to have to play an error-free game, make Michigan make mistakes. And remember this, you know, Milton has just one career start. You know, Rocky still has more actual college experience than him. Um, so, I don't know. If you can if you can somehow slow down the run game, get pressure on him, make him make him throw the ball, make him make mistakes, um, and be opportunistic on defense, that's that's about your best-case scenario. And, and Rocky yeah, playing really well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Michigan State won't have to deal with the crowd. Obviously, there won't be any fans, which is, uh, uh, you know, that's helpful for Michigan State. So, all right, I got a few more questions here from the, from the readers or the listeners, and then we'll jump into some predictions. Uh, Matt, uh, do you think we will see any changes on the offensive line this week? And actually, while you're at it, tell us who got most of the reps at offensive line this week, because that was a big question we were looking at. Um, yeah, I mean, whether or not there are changes, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, because that's going to ba- be based on availability. Um, Devontae Dobbs and Luke Campbell were not dressed for Saturday's game, and, and Mel was asked about it yesterday, and he basically declined to, to elaborate on their status. So if those two are available, maybe. Um, but what we saw was uh, from left to right, uh, AGR Curry, Blake Buter, Matt Allen, uh, Matt Carrick, and Kevin Jarvis were your starting five that played the majority of the game. And then J.D. Duplain got – earned some snaps at left guard and then um, Nick Samak at center. But so it was just seven guys they went with, um, which is not, I mean, the, the total number is not a surprise. Chris Kapilovic back in the spring said he was looking for seven or eight guys he wanted to go with. Um, so that the makeup of it was a little surprising. Um, just cause you, you know, you had guys that have been, you know, have experience at, at multiple spots. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sorry, I don't even remember the question at this point in time. Was there the, <laughs> there going to be any changes? They wanted to know if change it. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry, you get rambling about an offensive line. No, I mean, I, I would if those are the five they, that they felt most comfortable in the, to start and the seven to go with, um, maybe you maybe make a change with with two of the guys that you subbed in at, at left guard or at center as a starting lineup. Uh, maybe if Dobbs or Campbell or, or if they were just on, you know, not able to play last week because of health reasons or whatever, and, then, and they're active, that'll change the lineup. But um, – yeah, I mean that was you saw the seven that they felt comfortable with. That was uh, it. If Trey Mosley is out, we saw him leave the game in the third quarter. Uh, would a big receiver like Trayvon Morgan cause matchup issues? We, as a Michigan State, could take advantage of against what I assume will be a good pass rush. I mean, Trayvon Morgan's a big receiver. What is he? Uh, let me look it up here. Uh, six seven, six two fifteen is what six, it is six, on two four seven. Um, so big kid out of Ohio. I know there has been some chatter about him maybe getting in early. Um, but could he get, is he someone who could get some more reps if Trey Mosley can't suit up? I mean, you know, the, you're always most curious about the unknown and Trayvon Morgan's a guy who hasn't been on the field. He had a knee injury and, you know, had in fall camp last year and didn't play. Um, and he, I mean, he dressed, but he didn't play on Saturday. What that tells me is there are other guys ahead of him on the depth chart. So when Mosley went down, you saw Ricky white and Montori Foster both get in the game and both those guys are true freshmen. So, uh, it just tells me they're ahead of him on the depth chart, and, and, and until that changes, you're more likely to see one of those two guys in the game if uh, Mosley's out, and Mel yesterday had said he's day-to-day with a, a leg injury. Lovely. 
the lovely day to day in college football <laughs> where there's unofficial. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we all day to day? Exactly. Um, all right. Well, we're running late here, so we'll jump right into predictions. Um, same as last week, you guys can just uh, throw them out. Uh, so first up over or under 447 sideline claps from Mel Tucker this week. No, that's that. We're not going to do that. That's... You get to count that if we do that. Yeah, he was really happy on the sideline with the clapping, though. You could tell he was just trying to stay positive out there. So he knows the ball stacked against him. But we'll do the same as last week. Who's going to score the first uh, MSU touchdown? Kyle, you go first. Uh, I will go uh, Rocky Lombardi on a little uh, scramble. Rocky Lombardi on a run. Yeah. That- oh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – I'll steal Jaden Reed. I was going to actually pick him last week, but oh. – Sure. You were picked uh, first. <laughs> I know. I blew it. I went with the safe choice. I'll take Jaden Reed this week. Uh, at least you nailed that over 75 yards. <laughs> yeah, I was dead on in that. Um, I was gonna double down with Jaden Reed too, but I'll go with I'll go with Jordan Simmons. Apparently he's the starting running back now, so uh I'll take a shot with him. Um sort of along those lines, who leads MSU and carries, Matt? Oh, I mean, based on last week, I'd say Jordan Simmons because I don't. I mean, I don't know how much changes week to week. I mean, and you know, I would have always said Collins, and I, you know, I thought he was like we talked about earlier, a clear starting running back um, and their best guy last year. But yeah, you know, I mean, Jordan Simmons got the bulk last week, so uh, I'd say it's him this week. I'll say not only based on that, but Mel Tucker praised him specifically both on Saturday and on Tuesday. And, and Mel so far has not gone out of his way to praise individuals all that much. Uh, so that was noticeable to me, and that told me that he'll probably get uh, – I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries. I want to hedge the bets and say Elijah Collins, but – after what we saw on Saturday, I mean, the data's in front of you, and if we're not using the data that we see, then we have, then we're just making wild guesses. So I'm going to say Jordan Simmons as well. Um, over under four total touchdowns for Joe Milton. I'm going to say under. What about you, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I'll say under too. I'll go under. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, his rushing ability makes that a little bit of a sketchy uh, 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 bet because you know it's it's quarterbacks. If they run those draws, we saw him run in the red zone last week. So, uh, you know, if he racks up those rushing touchdowns, we could all be getting that wrong. Um, this is a big one right here. Will Harbaugh wear khakis? Oh, it's her. I don't care option. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't wear them last week and the Internet was running, was going crazy. So I, I, I'll, I'll go first if you guys don't mind. Coaches are the most superstitious people in the world. And if they played that well when he did not wear khakis, then I will bet that uh, he does whatever worked last week. So no, no khakis is my, is my vote. Yeah, I mean, if he switched to no khakis uh, for some reason last week, apparently, as, as you've told me, uh, then I'll say uh, no, none this week. I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> I, I, I think I stir something. <laughs> it's a rivalry game. I think he's going to wear them. I think he's going to bust them out. I'm going to go with yes. Because I think, I mean, I get what you're saying about the superstitious stuff, and that might be where the safe money is. But, um, you know, the rivalry game, maybe he wants to bust out his full ensemble. Who knows? But um, he did give a quote to Brad Golly of a local TV station. You know, he said, you don't want to become stale bread or overripe fruit or burnt meat, said Harbaugh. That's not good when asked about the khakis. So maybe that was a stupid decision on my part to say yes. But let's move on to the score. Like I said, 24-point line. Um, Kyle, what's your game prediction? Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Michigan State cover. You know, I, 
this game, it's reminding me of 2016, if you guys remember that. Michigan State was playing terrible. Um, Michigan was playing well. The, the only question seemed to be is, will Harbaugh run it up? And Michigan, they didn't win that game, but Michigan State hung in it. They made it a game. And um, I, I think that state players have enough pride to keep this thing close. Um, I don't see a whole lot of schematic ways they're going to have a lot of advantages. But I just, I think in a game like this, um, you're going to find a way to keep it close. I don't think they're going to win. Uh, but I would, I would, if it's more than two touchdowns, I'll be surprised. So I'll, I'll say 28-14 if you want a specific score. Uh, but definitely Michigan State cover. Yeah, and it is worth noting that in the uh, this is from KillerSports.com that in the last 40 years when the Wolverines were a 28-point home favorite, um, they've never covered. So they've whenever they've been over 20, they, they've never covered. So the smart money says Michigan State cover. But, Matt, what do you think? Uh, no, I mean, I pick, I'm like, right. I, I'm right on the line. Uh, the score I sent today was 41, 17. Um, I, I mean, I don't say, I wouldn't say I feel confident in that. And I hear what Kyle's saying about everything. I remember that 16 game and I remember him being the one smart one who picked it to be, uh, an actual somewhat of a game, uh, as opposed to the rest of us who all saw a blowout. Um, you know, I just, I mean, if you look at the takeaways, sure. Michigan state say they don't turn over the ball seven times. Um, which they, I assume they won't, but there were, I mean, there were times where Rutgers moved the ball. Um, you had an offensive line that was completely rebuilt from last year and you, and somehow, you know, they were able to move, not that they rushed for a lot of yards, but they had, you know, the Pacheco had two rushing touchdowns Their quarterback, uh, uh, the backup quarterback came in and ran for a score and their starting quarterback ran for a score. If I remember that right. Um, I don't know. You give up 38 to Rutgers and I've got, I've got some <laughs> concerns, even with the turnovers uh, and, and offensively, I, you know, I liked some of the things they did. Um, what I guess with the passing game, my concern would be pass protecting and keeping Rocky Lombardi clean in the pocket and time to deliver the ball. And Michigan state's got two really good, or Michigan has two really good ends back in Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy pay and Michigan state's offensive line did not play great. So that would be uh that, that just tells me things aren't really matching up for that to be uh, favorable for Michigan State. Yeah, and we saw Michigan's defensive line uh, make a play and score a touchdown against Minnesota. So that's definitely yeah. going to be something Michigan State's offensive line is going to have to step up and prevent. I think Michigan's going to cover two. I got it at 38-10, to 10, uh, Michigan. I think this could be a game where, you know, maybe Michigan State hangs around in the first half and then, you know, the wheels fall off in the second half, as we've seen before when Michigan State has been uh, a bit of a, an underdog. So... Um, anyways, it'll be interesting. It's weird that the rivalry game is in week two and it's on Halloween. So you never know. Maybe some weird stuff could happen. Mel Tucker's going to be thrown right into the fire here with his first Michigan, Michigan state game and only his second career game as head coach. It's at noon on Fox. Uh, Matt and Kyle, you'll both be there, correct? Uh, I will be there. Kyle will not. They have a limited number of media seating um, for the visiting team and for everybody this year due to the obvious uh, situation. So um, just just me. Okay. Well, Matt will be having it covered from the field. Kyle, I'm sure you'll be paying attention, as will I. Hopefully uh, we get a little better performance from the Spartans, um, but it will sure be interesting to see as the battle for Paul Bunyan Trophy takes place in Ann Arbor. We look forward to it. Hope you do as well. But until next time, thanks for listening, and go Green!